Lord, uh, thank you for bringing us all together here today safely. I want to thank you for everything you've done in our lives throughout the last week and last year. And uh, we just wish that you would be with us this coming year and be with us through everything that we have going on. In your name we pray. Amen.
Searching for answers far and wide, but I know 
Everybody take a second, turn around, say hello to somebody. Good morning, kids. Happy New Year. You guys all made it through 2022, right? 2023? Did anybody ever expect that we would be alive in 2023? I don't know. I remember uh, 
I forget what show it was, one of the late night shows they would do in the, in the year 2000. You know, in the year 2000, like that was the like end of the world, you know. So anyway, well, a couple things since we, have, we haven't had time to do anything. So um, we're starting a series next week called The One Another's. Uh, one another, one another I can't even say it, but, um, and we're going to do a class on Monday night. It'll start on the 16th, um, for about six weeks. And so if you want to sign up for that, you can sign up and stick it in the offering plate or give it to me. That's a cool thing. Um, if you hadn't started your daily Bible reading, you can start today. So if you don't have one of those little markers that Vicki makes, you can grab them out there and read through the Bible. I started mine this morning. Um, rest of it. If you've invited Jesus in your life and you've not been baptized yet, we're going to baptize. We had a baptism this week, actually. A girl that comes to our church that uh, lives in Philadelphia got baptized. Was that Thursday night, Mark? Tuesday night. There you go. Katie Hanley. So anyway, um, we need help cleaning. So there's an open spot on that. And uh, I don't know. You guys can read, right? You good? Huh? Oh, okay. All right. Um Still want to pray for different people. Um, Denise, want to pray for Denise Hopper. She's doing okay. Doing all right. So I want to keep praying for her and uh, other people going through things. The other Denise, Denise Harrison, got her heart transplant. She's doing she's doing really good. So, yeah, isn't that cool? She made it through. She's talking about 2022. I said, you're a miracle. You, you know, you made it through that. So, and all, other people are going through stuff. Uh, people are sick. Um, but that's, you know, the world we live in, right? So we have a new year. You can just scratch out, you know, all the, how you messed up 2022. Just erase it, you know, and all that. I In my journal this morning, I journaled uh, a bunch of things, but I have two or three devotion books that I use. And, and one of them, it just talks about, you know, in God's eyes, we don't, we don't have a history. We only have a destiny, you know, and so that every, it's a new beginning. God gives us that. Isn't that cool? Go like that. It's cool. That's, you can say that. It's cool. That's cool. There you go. In rhetoric churches, you would have said amen, but, but you know, whatever. We're going to take up the offering. And so whoever were the usherettes, we have usherettes. So I grew up in a church, there would never be usherettes. Because usherettes would cause you to smoke cigarettes, right? So anyway, <laughs> sorry about that. Bad joke. Let's say a prayer and we'll take up the offering. So Lord, thank you that we give to you. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you gave us a whole year and you're giving us a new one. So Lord, help us this year to give our best to you. Uh, Lord, to, to serve you, to share, and just to, to continue to touch the people. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right, good morning. How are we doing? Ohio State fans, how are you doing? Yeah, Michigan fans? Covers everybody probably, for the most part. Huh? So this is what happened to us, right? Yeah. Gosh, that was a terrible joke. So we're watching the game last night, and it's getting later and later, right? And it's a tight game. And I'm a football guy, so I'm up standing on, like, in my front room watching the game, analyzing it. My entire family thinks I'm crazy except for my daughter because she's into it. It's getting later and later and later and later. And my son and my wife and his girlfriend are like, are we going to watch the ball drop? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe. And so five minutes till, three minutes till, Evan says, his girlfriend Haley, Haley's never seen the ball drop. And I'm like, what? We're... So I feel sad about that. And so we changed the channel so we could watch the ball drop. And so countdown, the ball drops like every year. And everybody kisses one another. And, or your significant others. Not, we didn't all kiss each other. but. <laughs> and I immediately turn it back. And as I turn it back, I see Georgia's quarterback running across the field, and I'm like, oh, no, we've missed the field goal. So that's what happened to us. My daughter, Annabelle, goes, this is our fault. We've, she's like, we jinxed them by changing the channel. And I'm like, I wish we had that kind of power, but so that's how ours went. So it's New Year's Day, so Happy New Year. Anybody have any New Year's resolutions? Everybody's like, nah. (laughs) It's been a rough couple of years, COVID. We're just trying to maintain, right? So today what I want to talk about is what does it look like to follow Jesus into 2023? That's weird to even say, right? And what does that look like? And for me, instead of having resolutions, I like to have sort of what I would call a rule of life. What are the values or the guidelines that I try to live by that sort of guide my day? Does that make sense? And and so um, we're going to explore what that looks like. We're going to explore what it means to try to follow Jesus in this crazy world that we live in. And I'm sure you're tired because you probably stayed up. So we'll try to make it short. Good? All right, so let's pray and we'll get going. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you just come, that you open our hearts to you and to this new beginning of a new year. And may it, may it be a good year. May we be blessed in this year. And so we ask that you just guide us as we just focus our hearts and minds to you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee. And it says that he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake, and for they were fishermen. And Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And so Jesus is hanging out. He's walking down by the sea, and there's these two dudes fishing. And he calls them to follow him. He doesn't call them to make a decision of like, hey, like say a prayer so that I can live in your heart. He doesn't call them to a bunch of rules to jump, jump through or 
try to live by or whatever. He says simply, follow me. It then continues, it says, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called to them. And immediately they left the boat and their father, and they did what? They followed him. That's what it means to be a Christian. Is that day by day, moment by moment, we're trying to follow Jesus. Now, I don't know what your religious background is. Maybe you grew up in in a church that was very rigid. Maybe you grew up in a church like this is a little bit loosey-goosey. Maybe you have no religious background whatsoever. For us, our understanding is very simple. What does it look like to try to follow Jesus every day? Does that make sense? And so... I want to work through four points of what it means, at least for me, and hopefully what it, what it looks like for us as a community, as a church, to follow Jesus in 2023. And so first off, communion. Often the disciples would wake up in the morning and they would notice that Jesus was nowhere around. Scriptures tell us that he would get up very early, he would go find a quiet place, and he would pray. He would spend time in communion with his father. Later on, one of the disciples even asked Jesus, what, when you're out there doing that, what, is, what are you doing? Teach us how to pray. John, John the Baptist, he teaches his disciples how to pray. Show us what it looks like to pray. And obviously he gives, us, he gives the Lord's Prayer in that exchange. But one of the, the observations that the disciples made about the one that they were following is that this Jesus was always working on his relationship with his father. Does that make sense? And the way that he articulated it, that, that we can understand God as a loving father, as a loving parent, someone that we can trust, someone who protects us, someone who provides for us, someone who intimately is involved in our lives. This is the picture of God that Jesus presents to his disciples and learning how to live and move in that relationship. And so when it comes to following Jesus in 2023, we do what he does. To follow Jesus means that we see Jesus do something and so we join him in that. We do the same things that Jesus tries to do. And one of the things that Jesus was always cultivating in his life was his relationship with his father. And so for us, or at least for me, this is my number one priority, my relationship with God. Now, it has its seasons. Sometimes it feels like God is right there with me all the time. Sometimes it doesn't feel like God is anywhere to be found. Anybody have this experience? And I believe that this is just the normal ebb and flow of our relationship with God. We, we have seasons where everything, everything is alive. We see God moving everywhere. And then we have moments where it feels like he's nowhere. And yet, at least for me, we try to continue to stay on the path. Yeah? And so this is what it means to grow in Jesus in communion. Growing in Christ's likeness. We're wanting to be like Christ. That, cause that is the goal. 
That is the goal, to be in Christ, to, to, to be like Christ. And so the way we do this is we read through scriptures, we meditate on these stories and passages and wisdom and, and songs and psalms, and try to have that, for me, it's trying to have that as a daily discipline. Now, I'm not as crazy as dad. He's got like four or five devotions that he reads a day. He's a nut. So you don't have to be Chuck. That's my, the point of me saying that is you don't have to be Chuck. He's not the standard. All right? He's not the standard. <laughs> but what does it look like for you to cultivate that relationship every day? Maybe it's two or three verses. Maybe it's just one, just one line. But having a space, a moment where you spend time with God. I, uh, one of our, one of my professors in school said that Jesus had a habit of, of spending time with God and, and getting in God's face before everybody else got into his face. Right? Does that make sense? And so you, probably your life is a little bit hectic. You probably have kids or work problems or, or whatever it is. And, and they're probably all pulling, pulling for your time. Pulling for your resources, pulling for things for, they need you to do something for them. And if you're like me, that's kind of stressful. And it's annoying, right? How do I cultivate the patience to be able to deal with the people around me? Well, you spend time with God. You spend time with God. Like if you and I were going to take a trip and we were going to go to, I don't know, Kentucky or somewhere. Would you go on an empty tank? What would you do? You'd go to the gas station, you would fill up, right? Well, every day you gotta fill up spiritually. Because we have a journey, you got 24 hours and people are gonna be sucking you dry, so you gotta fill that, fill up that spiritual tank so that you can make the journey every day. And so we read scriptures, we pray, once a week we come and we gather and we worship together. And if you don't know how to do this or if you don't know what this looks like, we have ways of, of doing this. Dad has two books in the back that are excellent for getting you started in what this looks like. Good? Makes sense? And so it begins with communion. It, be, it begins with this up relationship with God, connected to God. But here's the thing. This, isn't, this can, cannot be done in isolation. It cannot be done individually. And, and so the next idea, value, rule, whatever you want to call it, is understanding that communion with God is experienced in community with others. And so we learn to share our lives together. Because Life's too hard for you to go it alone. Noticed? Like, it's just too hard. The life, the world, it throws too many curveballs. And so you can't do it alone. It's just impossible. You'll implode. And so it's important to have other people around you that, that walk alongside of you on the journey because there are moments where you don't have any faith and you can't carry on, and it's in those moments that your friends, your loved ones, your family, your church 
people, they come alongside of you and they gather you and they carry you when you can't carry yourself. Yeah? And, and so we learn to share our lives together. Pursuing, and what's it say? Unity. We, we live in a world that's, that is terribly divided. Yeah? If we sat down and I just had a microphone and I said, hey, what's your political opinion? And we just went person by person, person by person. It would be nuts in here, right? Amen. It would be nuts in here if we did that. And the world likes that. The news likes that. Kids are having fun up there, I hope. But we live in a world that wants to divide us. Now, one of the prayers that Jesus prayed for his disciples is that you and I, would be, we would be one. Not only one with one another, but one with God as well. And it's learning how to live in unity together in a world that is, is terribly divided. Now, Jesus is an interesting character because he called 12 disciples. One of the disciples that he called was a guy named Matthew. Now, Matthew's job, also known as Levi, he was a tax collector. He was a Jewish tax collector, which means he pretty much got in cahoots with Rome, worked for them, and then taxed his own, his own people and probably made, got rich doing it, exploiting the people that was his own group. Does that make sense? And so he was an outcast. No one, they probably didn't like him because he had essentially betrayed his tribe. Now, Jesus also called another guy, a guy named um, Simon, who was a zealot. Not Simon Peter, but another Simon. And he was a zealot. Now, a zealot in the time of Jesus, think of like a religious, religious extremist. Someone that was willing to take up arms and attack these Romans, for invading their their world. Good? So we have Matthew the tax collector, Simon the zealot. How do you think their conversations went around the campfire at night? Right? Simon the zealot is probably like, I'm going to kill you, Matthew. Whenever I get, as soon as Jesus stops looking, you're going to get it. Right? To be honest with you, we, we all have different opinions. But what are we centered around here? We're centered around Jesus. That's the priority. That's what matters. Your political opinions, those are fine, but they're not going to be eternal. Does that make sense? So it's fine to have those things, whatever. But for me, I like to kind of leave them at the door. Because this, there's something going on in here that's way more important than the politics of this world. They have their place and they're important and we need to, to discuss. And I think it's good that we have two parties because you've got to have two feet to, to move forward. And so we need to have conservatives. We need to have progressives. We need to have those types of things so that we, as a, as a nation and as a society, can continue to move forward and not be suspicious of the others and not think that the other is out to get us or that they are our enemy, but they're just part of the greater good, hopefully, that's moving us forward as a, as a community, as a nation. But when it comes to the holy, sacred place that is church, and it's not just in these, in these four walls, 
But when it comes to the mystical body of Christ, the people that say yes to Jesus, we put that stuff down. We put that stuff down so that we can be open and loving towards one another. Does that make sense? And so we learn to live in community. We learn to share our lives together. We celebrate all of the good things. We mourn and we grieve together when we go through hard times. We're pursuing a unity with one another in a world that's divided. We're trying to be a community of love. Why? Because Jesus said that that's the only way that the world will know that we follow him is by the way that we love one another. Too many Christians are into bashing people who don't believe in the way that they believe. And I would say that that's not Christian. It's actually antichrist at the end of the day. Yeah? And so we cultivate our, our communion with God, trying to be Christ-like, but we understand that we can't simply do that by ourselves, but we do that. It takes part and takes place within a community together. But then if you, if you pay attention to Jesus' life, there are other things that he does. He doesn't simply just pray to God and get out during, in the morning time and worship and meditate and contemplate and pray and praise. He doesn't just simply hang out with his disciples and just do their own thing. But Jesus was always moving through the world that he lived in. And one of the things that, that pops up very quickly is that he had compassion. So many times Jesus would look at the people that would follow or gather around him. And it says the scripture would say that he had compassion on them. And that he would heal their sick. That he would spend time with those who were outcast. That he would feed those who were hungry. Like, like there's the story of the, of the, the feeding of the 5,000, but then it happens again. Why do you think they follow Jesus? Probably because he's, he gives them food sometimes, right? And, and so, part of following Jesus is not only about being in communion with God and, and in community with one another, but there's an, there's an outward dimension to it. There is that he has this compassion for the people around him, for the poor, for the sick, for the outcasts, for the outsiders. Those types of people that we try to push to the margins of our society, right? Think about, just let's just think about this for a second, the poor. In a world that is based on capitalism, the way that the poor get framed is that they're lazy. Now, sometimes people manipulate the system, I get it. But my experience with working with people that are poor is oftentimes they're in situations that they would love to figure out how to get out of, but they just don't have the means or the resources or the ability to do so. Does that make sense? And so us as a society, we scapegoat the poor. But Jesus moved towards them. Yeah? The sick. In this country, health care is expensive, right? The, I was reading about insulin. That's nuts, the, the price of insulin. And so in our society, 
we scapegoat the sick. We, we put on them a burden that they can't even bear to carry a lot of times. The outcasts, there's a number of ways that we marginalize people in, in our world, whether it be <clears throat> race, sexuality, um, where they are, where they fall financially, different brackets. We outcast those people. And then obviously there's outsiders too. There's people trying to get to America, right? At some point your ancestors decided we gotta get to America. It's the place of opportunity. And yet, we turn our nose to people who are in way worse situations and circumstances who are trying to get here. Whether they do it legally or not, I, I get it. We want to try to follow the rules. But if you were them, what would you do? Right? We only like to follow rules when they, when they work for us. How many people didn't like wearing masks? Right? You didn't like wearing masks. Probably didn't wear masks. Why? Because we only like to follow the rules that work for us. And, and so, for us as a community of faith, when it comes to foreigners, illegal immigrants, we want to be open, we want to be welcoming towards them. Because we believe that that's what Jesus would do. Yeah? Jesus was a, a refugee at one point. There's this moment right before, or right after he was born where uh, Herod decided that he was going to kill every baby from the age, I think, three down in the region. So what did his parents do? They went to Egypt. Refugees hiding in Egypt because in the country they were living in, they were under persecution. And so if Jesus was a refugee, it's probably behoove us to, to open our arms to people like that as well. Does that make sense? Now, that you might not agree with this. Good. That's what Jesus does to our lives. I disagree with him all the time. Yeah? Like, there's things that Jesus calls us to do that I don't want to do. Just period. That's the part of being a sinner, is we're selfish and we want to do our own things. Jesus doesn't call us to do our own thing. Jesus calls us to do his thing. And that means follow him. Does that make sense? And so we learn how to care for the poor, the sick, the outcasts, the outsiders. And then the fourth thing. We learn to continue this commission that he has given all of us to go and to make disciples of all the nations, to share his good news. And so there's compassion and then there is there is, next, go to the next slide, Pat. There is this commission. It's a great commission. To go and to share God's love. And as we learn to do these things, we find ourselves being discipled in the way of Jesus. We share this good news of God's love to our neighbors. You guys remember the, the game show, or not the game, but the day on at school when you, you had show and tell? Anybody ever do show and tell at school? Right? You bring something in, you show all your classmates, and then you tell them about it. You learned everything that you need to know about evangelism in that little exercise. Everything that you need to know. 
You live in the world that you live in with your neighbors. You do the things that you like to do with the people that you like to do it with. And you show them God's love. This past week, I had this young kid. Um, he's like 20 years old. He comes to our gym. And he brought a friend. And I was helping them out with some techniques that we were working on. And he says to his friend, hey, that's Mark. He's like my second dad. Now, here's the thing. I've only talked to this kid like three times. That's it. I barely even can remember his name. But what do I do when I hang out with him? I listen to him. I don't judge him for what he looks like. And I just li- mainly just listen and hang out and be encouraging to him. Now, I don't know what kind of life he's lived. It's, it looks like it's been pretty rough. But just those little acts of kindness made such a difference in his life that he was willing to tell his friend that I was like second dad. Which it, it hurt, it breaks my heart to some degree, but also reinforces and reminds me this is what we're called to do. Just be with people. Just hang out with them. Just love them and listen to them. You show them what God is like through the way that you live. And then when they ask, what do you do? You tell them. Oh, the reason I'm like this is because God rescued me from a nightmare 20-something years ago. And, I've, and I realized that this whole thing was real, and so I just try to devote my life to it. Does that make sense? And so it's not, like Dad says, it's not rocket science. It's showing God's love in very practical ways. Listening is probably the most important thing that you can do. Because we always just want to talk. You ever been with someone and you're talking to them and you realize they're not listening, they're thinking about what they're going to say next? Isn't that annoying? Just being able to listen can build a bridge of love that Jesus can walk over in a person's life. And so we learn to, to live out this commission of sharing the good news of God's love to the people in our lives. Now, for years, we've used a triangle to articulate what it means to follow Jesus. We've used the language of up, in, and out. You need an up relationship with God, in relationship with one another, and an out relationship to the world. And it's... I love it. It served its purpose. But for about a year now, I've been rethinking how to articulate what it means to follow Jesus in a simpler way of what it means to be a disciple. And so this is where I've landed. I wanted to use an icon that everyone would recognize. Yeah? And so it serves the same purpose. And this is what I think, at least for now, because I'll change my mind later because that's just how I am. But for me, this is the way to articulate what it means to follow in the way of Jesus. We have the up dimension where we're working to be in communion with God. Yeah? We do this by prayer and, and, and scripture study and reading and worshiping with one another and taking communion. We live in communion with God. We have the inward dimension or the down because we, as the community, as the church, we're always at the foot of the cross. Your life should always be at the foot of the cross. 
gazing on it, paying attention to it, allowing it to do its work in us. And so we live as a community together. And there is the outward dimensions of this. There is the compassion that Jesus shares to the least, the last, the lost, the sick, the poor, the outcast, the outsiders. And then there's the other out, outward dimension of this is there is this commission that we go and we share this good news of God, showing the world what he looks like and telling them about it. Yeah? And that as we do this, we find ourselves being discipled in the way of Jesus, following him in communion with the Father, living in community together, living a life that's compassionate to those that our world tries to push to the margins, and fulfilling the Great Commission by showing people what God's love is like and telling them about it. Good? Told you it would be short. So, two questions then. In 2023, as we begin this new year, what's God saying to you? And what aspect of this cross do you need to perhaps concentrate on? What's God saying to you? And what's one thing that you can do about it this week? And so we're going to take a few minutes simply to contemplate and reflect on that. And then we're going to share communion together. And so Holy Spirit, we ask that you just come, that you open our hearts these next few moments. All right, if you have one of these, grab it and take it out. Every week we take part in this this ritual, this reminder of what Jesus did and who he's called us to be. And today I want to I want to do it a little bit different. So I was thinking about this. And I want I wanted to do this a little bit different, where we are all participating in a, in a different kind of a way. So 
I'm going to go through the whole prayer, go through the whole bit like I always do. A whole bit, that sounds terrible. But then before you ta- actually take the bread and drink the cup, I'm, I'm wanna, we'll pause right there and I'll give you some instruction. <clears throat> and so every week we take part in this, every week we pray this prayer to center our hearts. And, and so pray this with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. He said, this is my body, which has been broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took a cup of wine. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant that's been shed for you. And he gave it to his disciples. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Later, reflecting on this, the Apostle Paul said that every time you and I, we gather, we take this bread and we drink from this cup, we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns, which means we remember what Jesus did and we're reminded that we are called to do the same, to be broken and to be poured out for the world. And so take the bread. I want you to look to the person next to you. And before you eat it, I want you to say to them, this is the body of Christ that was broken for you. Now take the cup. I want you to look at the person next to you and say, this is the blood of Christ that was shed for you. Amen. Let me unpack that for a second. If you grew up in a real church, you would take part in what's called liturgy. And liturgy means simply the work of the people. It's not the work of the pastor. It's not the work of me, uh, me or dad standing up here and talking. You guys just hang out. It's about us coming together and worshiping together and participating together. In those same types of liturgical churches, you would come up to the front and a priest would hand you the bread and say, this is the body of Christ, which is broken for you. Then you would go up again and a priest would give you the cup and say, this is the blood of Christ that was shed for you. But as, as in our tradition, we don't believe there's a separation between people in the pews and the people on the stage. It's a priesthood of all believers. And so for me, I think this is something that perhaps we can start doing in the new year, understanding that it's a liturgy, that it's work of all of us to be the church. Amen? All right, let's all stand. Grab the hand of the person next to you if you like. We will pray, get rolling, and the Bengals play tomorrow night to redeem our souls. Our football souls, our football souls. Can't put that much, put that much on them. So Father, we just thank you for this day. This New Year's Day. May it be a new day for all of us as we step into this new year. May we 
live a life that is in communion with you and community with one another, compassionate to the world and fulfilling this great commission to share your love with our neighbors. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you just fill us again in this moment. Just fill our hearts, our minds. Refresh us as we step out into this new year, as your hands and feet as a light into this world. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you guide us and keep us this week as we go. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. See you guys.